0: Just because you haven't gotten an immediate answer to your prayer doesn't mean God has said no. He might be saying, wait and persevere, because you might be in spiritual warfare. Daniel, persevere.
1: Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire
0: No man can accurately predict the future apart from the guidance of Almighty God. Hi, and welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire, and thanks for joining us. Today we're continuing our series through the book of Daniel, entitled, Courageous Living in Trying Times. Of all of Daniel's prophecies, none has been more discussed than his vision regarding Israel and her future, called Daniel's 70 weeks. What does that mean, and how does this particular vision affect us today? Well, grab your Bible and follow along as I share the message, Daniel's 70 Weeks. As we begin chapter 9, we find Daniel praying. Daniel was a prayer. Remember what he did when they were going to throw him in the lion's den? He went and he prayed three times, and it says, as was his custom. He prayed three times throughout the day, every day, as was his lifelong custom. So you got a man with holy habits, and holy habits produced a holy life. I am such a believer in habits that are good habits. Now, Daniel had holy habits. They created a holy life, and that holy life made him the recipient of incredible revelations from God. Now, he's interceding for his people in chapter 9, and this intercession goes on from verse 3 through verse 20. And it's a magnificent example of what true intercessory prayer is really all about. The chapter begins with Daniel giving us the timing of when all of this takes place. Daniel 9, 1 and 2. Here's the timing. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign. So here we have the first year of the reign of the Medes and Persians, who just overthrew the Babylonians. Verse 2, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the year is specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. What he's telling us is this, and you'll find it if you read the book of Jeremiah, That Jeremiah predicted. Remember, Jeremiah was the prophet who warned Judah for decades that they were going to go into captivity, and they didn't listen to him, and they even imprisoned him and persecuted him and tortured him. And Jeremiah was able to see them carried off into captivity, not that he wanted to, but he saw it just like he had predicted. He saw his own prophecies fulfilled. When he was writing his book, he said, Judah, you're going to go into captivity, and you will be there for 70 years, which is amazing because they were there 70 years. Now, Daniel was part of the captivity, and what he's doing is he knows they've been there for a number of years, several decades. He has been reading the prophet Jeremiah, and he knows that Jeremiah said 70 years. So he starts seeking God. Lord, is our time drawing near? Because you said 70 years. So that's what's motivating this intercessory prayer time of Daniel's. It's the first year of the reign of the Medes and Persians, following the overthrow of Belshazzar, who saw the handwriting on the wall. You remember that. And we find Daniel doing what he's always done, praying and seeking God, no matter who was in power, no matter what was going on around him, his holy habits of prayer and worship of God carried him through every trial. And now Nebuchadnezzar's dream of the head of gold, Babylon, being replaced with the chest and arms of silver, the Medo-Persian empire. You remember the man that Nebuchadnezzar dreamed about, the big colossal man, had the head of gold, and Daniel interpreted that to be Babylon. And then this colossal man had a chest and arms of silver. And Daniel had prophesied this would be the Medes and the Persians. So now he has seen his own prophecy come to pass and Nebuchadnezzar's dream come to pass. Daniel's dream of the great beast, That looked like a lion, that was Babylon. And of the bear with three ribs in its mouth, that was the Medes and Persians. So Daniel had a dream with different characters, but it had to do with the same thing the fall of Babylon being replaced by the Medes and Persians, the eventual fall of the Medes and Persians being replaced by the Greeks, and then the eventual fall of the Greeks being replaced by the Romans. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream about it. Daniel had a dream about it. God never moves but what he tells his prophets. Now, God has allowed Daniel to live long enough to see Babylon taken down and the kingdom that he dreamed about and that Nebuchadnezzar dreamed about being installed. Now, I notice here that Daniel always blossomed where he was planted. When he was under Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar was a total pagan. He was in a pagan culture, but he refused to assimilate into paganism. He maintained his spiritual walk with God, which every believer must do. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may prove what is the acceptable good and perfect will of God, Romans 12, 1 and 2. So the same thing Daniel did, we are to do. We are in the world, but not of it. We are in it, but we are not to assimilate to it. We are strangers in a strange land. We are looking for a new city whose builder and maker is God. Amen? Amen. Next, he begins his prayer. And let's look at his prayer. It's a model intercessory prayer. Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayers and supplications with fasting sackcloth and ashes. So notice he is in humility. He is humbling himself. And notice the phrase, set my face. I set my face toward the Lord God. This shows Daniel's complete resolve to seek the Lord. Nothing is going to distract him or stop him from doing what he set his face to do. It is said of our Lord Jesus, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Nothing was going to deter him from going to the cross. He set his face. He set his face like a flint. You know, there are times you've got to make up your mind to seek God where you literally say, I'm setting my face like a flint. There is nothing. There's no devil in hell. There's no human on earth. There is no distraction. There is nothing that's going to prevent me from seeking God and praying this thing through. Now, let's read the account. And I want to point out some of the key ingredients to genuine intercessory prayer. Verse 4. I prayed to the Lord my God, and I made confession. And I said, O Lord, great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments. Now, notice he begins by praising God for his goodness. How do you start a really good prayer session? You enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. I mean, listen, don't ever start a real prayer time without thanking God. That's the gateway into his presence. You want your prayer time to be saturated in the spirit of God. Now look at verse 5. He says, we have sinned and committed iniquity. Now remember, he's in Babylon, and they're in captivity. So look what he says. We have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled, even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Now, look, he confesses the sins of Israel. First and foremost, what does he confess? That they departed from God's word. That's the first thing he confesses. He said, Lord, the beginning of our pain was when we departed from your word. How many of you have ever been through a time in your life where you drifted from the word and you didn't drift into a good place when you drifted from the word? That's why you got to get into it every day because every day, It's the way to start the day. Forget Wheaties. That's not the breakfast of champions. The word of God is. Then verse 6, neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes, to our fathers and all the people of the land. Not only had Israel forsaken God's word, they had also turned a deaf ear to God's warnings through his prophets. Big mistake. Verse 7, O Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but to us shame of face as it is this day to the men of judah to the inhabitants of jerusalem and all israel those near and those far off and all the countries to which you have driven them because of the unfaithfulness which they have committed against you O lord to us now notice he's not saying to them but daniel is including himself in this repentance although he's only one of two men in the whole bible where there's no recorded sin, minus Jesus. No recorded sin. And yet he includes himself in this heavy-duty repentance. He said, Lord, it's us. To us belongs shame of face. To our kings, our princes, our fathers, because we have sinned against you. Notice there's no excuse making. He's not passing the buck. They were guilty before God, and Daniel owns it. You know, God can never heal you until you repent. Repentance is a beautiful word. How many of you are thankful that you are able to repent? I feel sorry for people who say, I have no sin. I read in John today, if you say you have no sin, you make him a liar and the truth is not in you. So Daniel's owning it and his confession in verse 9 continues, to the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God, to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Yes, all Israel has transgressed your law and has departed so as not to obey your voice. He appeals here to God's mercy, knowing that they don't deserve mercy. He's saying, we're guilty as charged, says Daniel, but God, I'm appealing to your mercy. We don't deserve it, but I'm asking you to give it. Hebrews 4 Doesn't it say, let us come therefore boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find the grace to help in the hour of need? In the next few verses, Daniel recognizes that God's judgment has fallen on them. He knows they're in the judgment of God. That's why they're in Babylon. Verse 11, the second half. Therefore, the curse and the oath written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against him. And he has confirmed his words which he spoke against us and against our judges who judged us by bringing upon us a great disaster. So much for God doesn't judge. God doesn't bring any kind of judgment on people. He's just a good kind of grandfather in heaven who's always saying, oh, I understand why you're you're in sin. That's okay. Just go have a good time. Now, there's always a payday someday. If you live in sin. And he says, you brought on us, Lord, great disaster. For under the whole heaven, such has never been done as what has been done to Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us. Yet we have not made our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand your truth. They're almost done with their captivity. And he's saying, Judah, captive in Babylon, has not even collectively repented yet. Go figure, for the Lord our God is righteous in all the works which he does, though we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and made yourself a name as it is this day, we have sinned, we have done wickedly. He's saying we deserve your judgment, but I'm appealing for mercy and forgiveness. Now I want you to notice what Daniel believed. He believed that prayer could change the fate of a nation. You see that in there? He's praying for his nation, and he's asking God to change things, to set them free, to send them back home to where they can rebuild what they lost. And so we need to believe, and I believe he is changing the fate of a nation. Once more, boldly appeals to God's mercy Verse 16, O Lord, according to all your righteousness, I pray, let your anger and your fury be turned away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people are a reproach to all those around us. they lost their testimony. Now, therefore, verse 17, our God, hear the prayer of your servant and his supplications, and for the Lord's sake, cause your face to shine on your sanctuary Mm. which is desolate. Verse 18, oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city which is called by your name, for we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies. He said, I can't ask you, Lord, to have mercy based on anything we've done right, I'm asking you to have mercy because you're a merciful God. Oh, Lord, hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake, my God, for your city and your people are called by your name. Now, after this prayer, let me ask you, were they released? Did God release them from captivity? Yes, he did. did. Just shortly after this, wasn't far from this prayer that God released them. So you know what? God heard this prayer because Cyrus, the king of Persia, will one day say to them, to Nehemiah, his cupbearer, go back and rebuild your city and take all of the people that want to go with you and go. And they were released from captivity. Now next, we come to one of the most difficult prophetic passages in the entire Bible. It's called Daniel's 70-week prophecy. But I'm going to make it simple to understand. You're going to get it. You know what you're going to do? You're going to have a great big praise God moment when we see this prophecy and what God did as far as fulfilling the vast majority of it. Now, let's look at verse 20. Now, while I was speaking, praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord, my God, for the holy mountain of my God, yes, while I was speaking in prayer, The man Gabriel, he just means there that he looked like a man because Gabriel ain't no man. Forgive the slang, but it's good preaching. Whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning being caused to fly swiftly reached me about the time of the evening offering. Now say with me, "Prayer prayer brought a breakthrough. Do you see this? I mean, hey, if Gabriel shows up, and says hello to you, you've had a breakthrough. Now, I want you to notice, based on Daniel's prayer, that the mighty archangel Gabriel was not only sent to him, but was caused to fly swiftly. Oh, I'm looking forward to having a glorified body (laughs) because I believe we're going to be able to fly. Say, you really believe that, Jeff? Absolutely. Jesus would think and be there. And if the angels can fly, The redeemed were going to have greater things than the angels. And he was flying swiftly. Now, that's probably where we get this idea of the little Cupid-looking things, the little angels that look like little cherubs, and they got the wings and they're flying around on clouds playing harps. Uh Uh-uh. Gabriel, a real angel, is an awesome, huge, colossal, frightening being. And so Gabriel begins to talk to him. Boy, does he have a word for him. Verse 22. He informed me, and he talked with me. And he said, "Oh Daniel, I've now come forward to give you skill to understand. Everybody say, God opens my eyes. Opens my eyes. Verse 23. At the beginning of your supplications, the command went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision. Now, once again... I need to point out that at the very beginning of Daniel's prayer, the command went out from God's throne to answer him at the very beginning, the minute he began to pray. But it took time and perseverance in prayer before Gabriel arrived on the scene. That's why I tell you, just because you haven't gotten an immediate answer to your prayer doesn't mean God has said no. He might be saying, wait and persevere. Because you might be in spiritual warfare. Daniel persevered, and here's Gabriel. Now, here comes the prophecy, starting in verse 24. Everybody perk up. Pay real close attention, because we're about to do some math. Seventy weeks, said Gabriel, are determined. Now, look who for? Your people and your city. So that's the Jewish people and Jerusalem. To finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, To make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Who do you reckon this is talking about? Everybody say Jesus. Because only one person finished transgression, made an end of sins, made reconciliation for iniquity, brought in everlasting righteousness, and was anointed the most holy. Now, a week. Notice he says 70 weeks are determined for all these things in verse 24 to happen. 70 weeks. Now, a week in this prophecy is not comprised of seven 24-hour days like we would talk about a normal week, but it's seven years. Each day in the week represents one year. So, if you multiply 70 weeks times 7 years in each week, you have 490 years. 70 times 7, 490. We have 70 weeks times 7 years, 490 years. So, let's start verse 24 again. 490 years are determined for your people and for your holy city, and on down it goes. Everybody with me? Everybody say 490 years. years. Gabriel is informing Daniel that on God's calendar, some major, key, pivotal, history-changing events are decreed for Israel, and it will be accomplished within 490 years. Now, we're going to see that these 490 years are divided into three sections. Seven weeks, 62 weeks, and one week. We're going to read it, so don't worry. But we're going to see that it's divided into three sections a seven week section, which is 49 years, a 62 week section, which is 434 years if you do your math, and one week, which is seven years. If you add all that together, it's 49 years, 434 years, and seven years is 490. like I've already pointed out, when you get down to predicting exact numbers of years and events that will take place during those times, you better be right. Daniel was absolutely accurate about 69 of the 70 weeks so far. No doubt the final week will unfold just as God showed him. Well, don't go anywhere because we've got some exciting things to share with you, our Life Talk listeners, you're going to want to take advantage of. And be sure to join us next time as we continue with part two of the message, Daniel's 70 Weeks. Hi, this is Jeff Wickwire, the host of Life Talk Radio, and I've got some exciting news for you. It's been in my heart for quite some time to see our Turning Point worship team produce their own Christ-exalting music. And you know what? It's finally happened. The king
1: of all creation. Step down from
0: his- TPC Worship's debut album, Mercy Triumphs, is available right now on iTunes and Amazon, or you can visit tpcfamily.org forward slash worship to get your copy today. That's tpcfamily.org forward slash worship and get your copy, and I know it's going to be a blessing to you.
1: Daniel's 70 Weeks is the 10th message of Pastor Jeff's series, Courageous Living. You can own
0: a copy of this 13-CD set for just $65 plus shipping. Log on to Livetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, Courageous Living, for only $65 plus shipping by logging on to lifetalkradio.us or calling us toll-free at
1: 877-884-3111 for more information. You've been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's Word to thousands of people in your area on this great station.